Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. How are you doing today? Hi, Grant. I'm doing very well now that the rain has finally stopped um, <laughs> and really good to be here and ready to do this podcast today because we are going to be doing a deep dive on one of the country's biggest and most successful packaging operations, Aurora. And with us in the studio today to give us the latest company news is the CEO, Brian Lowe. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you, Lindy. Glad to be here. Now, you've just reported your first half um, of the 2022 financial year, your results, a strong performance by any standards, particularly given some of the market challenges that you've faced as the pandemic has continued to impact markets and supply chains. Can you give us a snapshot of the results, Brian? Sure. I mean, firstly, I'll say I'm really proud of the work that's been done by our teams across Australasia and North America delivering the result in the first half. We saw sales up some 9.6% across the group. Uh, Our EBIT was up 10.4% and our net profit after tax was up 12.9%. And particularly, as you said, with the the backdrop of what's going on in the world, we're really pleased with the momentum of our business over the last 12 to 18 months uh, and the results that we've posted. So what do you reckon are the key factors that have contributed to your success? There's really a couple of key factors in that. One is sticking to the core strategies that we outlined a couple of years ago and making sure that we have discipline activity involved in executing those strategies. And, you know, more recently, being able to respond quickly to some of the challenges that are in the industry, such as the tariffs that are imposed on Australian wine exports, uh, and certainly, as everybody has felt, some supply chain disruptions and raw material cost inflation. So speaking of the wine side of things, let's talk about the Australian um, beverage business. We'll start with the glass operations. Look, in with the backdrop of what I just mentioned in terms of wine exports, you know, a really, really strong result. We did see some good growth in categories such as beer and some other non-alcoholic beverages. But really, the focus for the team was finding replacement for the volume, which was approximately 10% of our production that went into wine exports to China, and we needed to replace that. And really good work's been done over the last year to find some new applications, certainly new applications for Australia, uh, things like olive oil bottles, replacing some sparkling mineral water bottles that were imported, and also you know finding opportunities to develop some new products. And one of those which we have developed is what we've called Aurora Crystal. So it's a a very clear glass product designed specifically for the spirits market. And we began production on, on that particular item late in 2021. And do you think the wine volumes will ever come back, Brian? Well, that's, that's the big question I mean, everybody's asking <laughs> themselves. We, we know a number of our key customers and the, the leading wine producers in the country are actively looking at what they can do to find some new channels. Uh, and we're supporting them in any way we can to find you know, those opportunities and also support them with the product that will be fit for that particular market. Now, we'll move on to beverage cans now. You reported in your results that demand remains strong. What is driving this? We have seen over the last number of years, and this is going back pre-COVID, continued preference towards a can as a format. 
away from some other uh, container types. And that is across quite a number of categories. Uh, and for us, you know, it's also been pleasing that we've been able to extend a number of key customer contracts during the last year or so, which, you know, certainly helps us underpin uh, what we'll, I'm sure we'll talk to, which is some future investment. And more specifically in the drink sector, which types of drinks are fueling demand for cans? We've certainly seen a resurgence in demand for beer in cans, particularly the part of the segment being craft beer. Uh, seems to be more and more preference towards cans. There have been a number of new entrant categories such as seltzers that appear to be uh, preferencing cans as well. And we've also seen uh, items that I mentioned earlier uh, for glass, but also taking up uh, in cans such as uh, sparkling mineral waters and quite a range of those and kombucha drinks. So uh, it's it's a format that seems to be attractive for a number and wide-ranging uh, categories. And you've invested um, or announced some investments specifically in your canning area. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, we're really excited that we have had enough support from our customers and forward demand to make some significant investments. Uh, and we're investing some $110 million in capacity expansion. And that is across a new cans body line, which is going into our Dandenong facility in Victoria. And also we are expanding our ends capacity, so the lids that go on the cans, uh, which all of those for Australia and New Zealand are produced in Ballarat. Uh, and we're expanding that production. You know, it will give us approximately a 10% increase in overall capacity for cans uh, and for ends. It's about 40%, so pretty exciting for us. That does sound exciting. Now, of course, a, a, another part of your business, an important part, is the North American business, which um, contributes approximately 80% of turnover. How has that performed this first half? A really outstanding result. Uh, I think certainly at the upper end of, of everybody's expectations, that business, we had been on a, a program over the last few years of improving the underlying quality of earnings in the business uh, and pleasingly for the last three reporting periods we've shown successive increases in terms not just of the profitability but also in terms of the margin that we're getting in that business and it's really been around a whole lot of discipline processes focused on using some of the information we have out of our uh, system now that can really help us drive profitability across all the product lines and all the all of the customers uh, and that has that has helped us, whether it's been in the distribution business or in the manufacturing business for what we call OPS. Uh, and our Aurora Visual business is trading profitably, uh, has been growing in earnings uh, as well as revenue, which is terrific. Uh, we undertook quite a comprehensive review of that business over the last year, and we've made the decision that it is a key part of our portfolio, and we're looking forward to uh, finding ways to expand that business and invest in it in the future. Well, I certainly look forward to seeing more on that. Um, I'm planning to go to Pack Expo in Chicago, and perhaps there'll be some kind of aurora showing there later in the year. Now, I want to look um, at a more of a global picture at some major external issues that businesses have been challenged with, and there have been many in recent times. We've touched briefly on COVID's impact, but let's take a closer look at Aurora's response to COVID. How have you as a group managed the pandemic? Well, it became pretty much the way we all had to work and have had to work for the last couple of years. So it, it does feel like just part of the the normal operating rhythm for us now. 
know, we have been fortunate that, you know, as an essential services provider, you know, we've been able to operate all of our facilities over the last couple of years uh, without any major disruption. We've seen some minor impact in terms of some of our customers. We've seen some minor impact in terms of some of our own supply chains, but it's been relatively low. Uh, but we put a, a very big focus on the health and safety piece early on, making sure that it continues to be the priority in terms of how we run our business. And there are a number of things that we introduced very early and made sure that we were aligning to the local government requirements, whether that's here in, in Australia or in some of our global operations. But we put in place things like uh, isolation and quarantine protocols uh, ourselves. We had uh, on-site rapid antigen testing really early in the place across across a number of our sites. We even introduced concepts such as wearable technology, so little wristbands that alert you if you're within a certain distance of other people. Uh, that way, from a contact tracing standpoint, you know we had good visibility on that. So we are, you know, very comfortable that we can work in this environment. We'd certainly prefer not to, though. No, certainly. I'm sure you're looking forward to returning to the so-called new normal <laughs> that we're all looking forward to. Wearable technology, that's quite, that's quite an innovation. Now, of course, another external challenge has been the soaring cost of raw materials. Um, we're reporting on that every week um, in PKN. How have you managed this while keeping customers on side? We certainly have not been immune to that. That global trend has really impacted us in a couple of different ways, depending on the part of our business. The aluminium uh, costs that, that flow through to us from our suppliers are passed through in terms of contractual mechanisms that we have with our customers. So there's a rise and fall with that. So we, we don't have a positive nor negative impact from aluminium movements and they've certainly been in the uh, upward direction over the last couple of years. Outside of that, some parts of our business, we have agreements in place that are either cost basket or CPI related. And particularly in our North American business, where a lot of that is not contracted, we have had to pass through some 13 price increases over the last 18 months. And the process the team have in place now is really rigorous to address that and make sure that, you know, we're following what happens in the industry, but we're also ensuring that, you know, we're not left uh, out of pocket when it comes to pushing those increases through. And in general, do customers understand and give a positive response? Yeah, I think the analogy I've given a few people is if you drive down the street in your car and you pull up at the petrol station and it says it's $2.20 a litre, which by the way it seems to be today, you certainly aren't happy. But if you drive down the road a bit further and the next petrol station is also $2.20 a litre, then you have to accept that that is the price and, and you pay it and you move on. And I think that's, that's pretty much what's happened in the broader industry. Now, when we look at um, packaging in a bigger picture sense, we can't talk packaging without talking sustainability. And Aurora has a very good track record in this space. So tell me more about your goals and initiatives right now. We certainly see ourselves as a leader in this space. It's part of Aurora's DNA. It's something we've been focused on for a long period of time. We are a large-scale manufacturer, and it is something that we need to take responsibility for. And we have been focused for a number of years in setting some sustainability goals. You know, we have announced eco-targets, which cover waste to landfill, water use and CO2 emissions uh, some years ago, and we track and report to those. But at our full year results back in August, we unveiled what we believe is a far more appropriate set of sustainability goals. 
and a new framework and some redefined pillars to support that. And, and we call that our promise to the future. Well, let's look at those pillars um, of that framework. How has this focused your activities? It's really ported under three specific areas, one being climate change, finding opportunities to reduce greenhouse gas emissions really across our businesses, when it's whether it's how we make smart choices on energy use or we drive energy efficiency within our business. The second being circular economy, maximising the recycled content of our products. And the good news for Aurora is that the vast majority of our products are highly recyclable and something we're, we've been committed to pursuing for some period of time. And the third pillar is community, finding ways to support and enrich our team members and communities' lives and a big focus on diversity, equity and inclusion. As a glass manufacturer, Aurora is actually a big energy user, of course. Um, so what steps are you taking to mitigate this under your climate change pillar? It is certainly the largest area of focus for us when it comes to impact on climate change. A couple of things that we had announced late last year, you know, two specific goals. One is our goal to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 for scope one and two, and also the interim goal of a 40% reduction in emissions by 2035. And we have a well-defined plan in terms of how we're going to achieve that. Things like looking at alternate uh, gas-intensive furnace technologies, uh, and we're well underway for our next rebuild, which will be in 2024, at exploring some of those technologies. We're also looking at renewable energy sources, whether they be wind or power, as part of ensuring that we can procure greenhouse gas-free electricity for our businesses. And we already have things like power purchase agreements in place today that for Australia source approximately 80% of our total electricity needs you know, under those agreements. Investments such as our beneficiation plant uh, for our glass facility, where we're spending $25 million increasing our capability to sort uh, and recycle glass instead of using virgin materials. Well, let's take a closer look now at your circular economy initiatives that are related specifically to packaging, Brian. And there's a lot going on here around the recycled content that I mentioned. You know, our goal is to achieve a 60% recycled content in our glass business by 2025. And we've been quite overt with that. The $25 million investment in this beneficiation plant will help support that. Construction is well underway and we expect that to be fully commissioned and operational before the end of this financial year. And what, what it will enable us to do is take the post-consumer recycled glass and sort it by colour, uh, take out the contaminants so that we have a, a very clean source to go into our furnaces. And we, you know, we're being well supported in this regard, in this particular project, uh, by the government with their Recycling Modernisation Fund, where we were the recipient of a grant of $8 million towards that. So we certainly thank uh, the respective governments for their support there. And what about using coloured from container deposit schemes? This is an area we've been involved in for, for quite some period of time. We take the majority of what comes from South Australia's CDS scheme and have done for, for many, many years. Uh, we also now have an agreement to take the majority of glass that comes out of Western Australia's CDS scheme. Uh, and this has certainly helped us increase our recycle content over the last year or so. And are there any other recycling initiatives across the business we should know about? 
There are quite a, quite a number in our cans business. We use approximately sixty percent of recycled content uh, in the aluminium that's that's provided for our cans business. We have some exciting opportunities that we're pursuing within our Aurora visual business, where we we have printable fabric. Uh, as part of our displays business, and we are now actively engaged with customers to use a 100% recycled PET material, uh, which I think is a, a terrific initiatives initiative. And also within our OPS business, we manufacture ourselves uh, uh, quite a range of corrugated board products, and these uh, equate to approximately 70% of recycled content from for those products. If we look at what lies ahead for the group, investment in innovation must obviously be a big focus. Tell me how you are driving a culture of innovation in Aurora. It is one of the core enablers that we see and one of the key principles that unites our Aurora businesses together across the globe. It's something we pursue and we encourage our team members to be involved in, whether it be pursuing new technologies. And as I referred to earlier, we're exploring alternate furnace technologies to help uh, CO2 emissions. That's a good example of, of us being at the forefront of some innovation development, but it can be some quite small items as well. We have embarked on a program to engage our team members around the world, and we have a, a fund that we call the Think Orange Fund. Uh, and we have allocated a substantial amount of capital, up to $100 million, to be spent over the next five years cultivating and executing innovation ideas that aren't part of the business's current uh, plan. So it creates an opportunity for access to funds to, to really drive innovation in the business. So as I understand it, then anyone in the business can submit an idea? Absolutely anyone. And we, we have received ideas from people in manufacturing sites uh, to supply chain people, to finance people, to sales people. So I think access to that is absolutely there. You know, what we want to make sure that we're doing is encouraging that. So as part of our annual awards program that in Aurora we call our Hero Awards, you know, we have a specific category for innovation to try and uh, increase the awareness and also uh, engagement on innovation. Can you give me an example of a winning innovation? Out of our Aurora Hero Awards from 2021, we had a, a couple of terrific, uh, not only applications for it, but we actually had joint winners of the category. One of those was a, a lady in our business in the US with Aurora Visual who really did some great work on customising some designs for one of our customers and really led the way in terms of the ideation process to help our customers find an area to develop some new revenue streams. Uh, and another one was to do with our glass business. And this was using some cutting edge laser uh, and radar technology to help us assess our furnace refractories. And these are the, the bricks that basically hold the furnace together and the molten glass inside. And this takes away a lot of the guesswork in terms of how the, the furnace is uh, performing and also understanding what repairs need to be taken place so it improves not only the longevity of the furnace but also the safety for the team. I can imagine it must be extremely rewarding if you're working in an organisation that takes your ideas seriously and then you see them um, coming to fruition that I'm, I'm sure that you have found that that must be the response from your people. 
Yeah, like it's, it's beneficial all around. It's it's terrific for the individuals to know that their ideas will be listened to and, and enacted. And for us as an organisation, we certainly benefit from the, the value that's created out of those ideas. Well, Brian, thank you for joining us today. The time has come for us to wrap up the show. It's really great to hear from companies like Aurora who are leading the charge in sustainability and circular economy in innovating in um, our packaging industry. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Lindy. Well, thank you, Brian. Thanks, Lindy. And of course, thanks to our audience for joining us today. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can follow this podcast in your favorite podcatcher so you ensure that you get every episode as they're released. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.